Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash MLB podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash MLB podcast to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash MLB podcast. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode 30. This is the official podcast of Mashing Lefties. That is right, because it is the Rob Ref Snyder episode. But honestly, more importantly, it's the Boof Bonzer episode. Can someone figure out if he's a lefty? Is he a lefty? Would Rob... Would, would Rob Ref Snyder... On it. Boof Bonzer, I'm looking it up. He was not a lefty, it looks like. I'm no. looking nope. it up. Yeah, he was a righty. Okay, so Rob Ref... I mean... He might get a hit, but he he wouldn't mash him because Rob mashes lefties. But it is the official podcast of Mashing Lefties. We are big Booth Bonser fans here. It is also the official Red Sox podcast of WEI. Coop's got Coop's got Booth Bonser stats up. His his time in Boston. We're, we're gonna read it off. This is how we're gonna get it started. Two oh. games, <laughs> two games. He threw two total innings. He had an eighteen ERA. Not four, great. Two innings, two innings, four runs. It could have been. It could have been better. It could have been. It also could have been worse. You can't. You there can't. Put, you can't put this guy over Rob Ref Snyder. Come on, <laughs> Boop State. How did you know he was number thirty? You. You didn't. We normally talk about what we're gonna say in the intro beforehand. That was like out of nowhere. How did you know? <laughs> I looked. At, there's that. There's baseball almanac. Almanac is. Is that how you pronounce it? Almanac. 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 They. They've got all the numbers. 
of like everyone who's ever played for the team. And I basically keep that page open. I just scroll down because like, yes, you could get the current guys, but you want to give the booth sponsors of the world some love. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> sure. Speaking of, uh, speaking of some other guys who deserve some love before we get going today, uh, shout out Red Sox legend, Adrian Beltre for, uh, easily making it into the hall of fame tonight as we're recording off the top of your heads. Do you guys have any, uh, Adrian Beltre Red Sox memories? Um, kinda. I might have told this on, I think I told this uh, on Rob's show, but one time when I lived in uh, California, my dad was working as like a winery manager and I was leaving, I was in high school and he texted me and he goes, come to the winery, Adrian Beltre and Richie Sexton are here. So I, I was like, oh my oh. God, Adrian Beltre and Richie, big Richie. So I drive over um, and I'm, I'm talking to Adrian Beltre and it was so cool. And my, my dad just throws me under the bus. He goes, yeah, I wanted you to stay in Boston, but he was kind of like, so, so pointing at me. And I'm oh, like, no, <laughs> I was like, hey, 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 hey. I was like, no, big fan, big fan. It's true, though, because I think at the time I was like, well, we get Adrian Gonzalez and he was like a better hitter at the time. He was like the best hitter in the league or one of them. And then I was like, you move Euclid over to third. He was a gold glover at first. I didn't know what I was talking about at the time. But yeah, I got thrown under the bus. Uh, but still, good times meeting Adrian Beltre. It did not touch his head. No how way. far away were you when you got, what is it, a text from your dad? How far away were, like, how did you have to get there and how long did it take you? 10 minutes. I, I yeah, close by. Did you drive or did you have to, did you have to run? No, I, I drove. I had a my sister and I shared a car. We had a share car. I had it that day. Drove it to the winery. I took <laughs> so I took my friend who's a big baseball fan. <laughs> this is great. And so he meets meet Adrian Beltre. We shake his hand, kind of quiet. And then he goes up to Richie Sexton, and my friend goes, "Hi, Richie Sexton." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was me. It was so uncomfortable, but it was great. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, my long-winded Adrian Beltre story. Sammy, I like that. You drove yourself there? Yeah, I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. Whoa! No. What? Oh my god, that's right. He's older than me, and he's way older than you. Yeah, what, I forget that Sammy is twenty-nine. That just blew my Pat, mind. I was in fifth grade. Yeah, dude. Pat, I'm you're old. what twenty-five? I you turned. 25? Yeah, I just turned twenty-five. You know, I'm a, Patrick, I'm, a, I'm 27. Sammy's the grandpa of the group. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I just look youthful. Please, please say that, that is I'm... crazy that you drove. I was like at a car wash with my mom when, like, or no, that was Victor Martinez. When Victor Martinez left, that's where I was. I was at a car wash well, he, with he my left. mom. He wasn't on the Red Sox anymore. He he was on the Rangers. Oh, right, okay. that makes right. me feel better. That makes you feel better. Yeah, okay. no, no, I wasn't. Oh, he was on, wait, 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 hold on, hold up, back up. He was on the Rangers at this point. But he was there with Richie Sexton, so I guess I guess they were just boys. They were, yeah, they were boys, and they were visiting the winery. Um, oh, because it was the well, off season or something. I don't know, but it yeah, makes they sense all... with the timing. The yeah, timing of your story wouldn't be... have made sense if they were Mariners. Yeah, yeah, there were there would always be baseball players. There was one time, where, so that was my like high school job. I worked in the back room of a winery, and I would literally just like, like I would move boxes and stuff. It sucked. Um, and there was one day. I was like, I don't feel good. I don't want to go in, like, kind of BSing. You will not believe who came in as a guest that day. Michael Jordan. And I missed no. him. Yeah. 
I faked oh, being God. Michael Jordan, but um, I've got two follow-up stories to both of your stories. Something go. similar like that. Something similar to that happened to me. So in uh, seventh grade, our school takes a field trip to Washington D.C. Or no, it's eighth grade field trip to Washington D.C. And I was gonna like pack a bunch of snacks. So my mom was gonna drive me to a grocery store so we could just like buy out all the snacks and just like I, I was gonna be that guy who had all the snacks. And I didn't understand the difference between like grocery stores at the time. So like I thought they were all the same. So like I wanted to go to Whole Foods just because it was the closest one. I didn't realize that they were gonna have really crappy snacks, like all the whatever health brands. Like I didn't want any of that, but I didn't know any better. So I was like, let's go to Whole Foods. I was like, Whole Foods. She said, no, we're going to, I don't even know where we'll say stop and shop for the sake of it. It wasn't stop and shop, but we'll say it. And it was like twice as far. She's like, trust me, you're going to want to go there. I said, no, 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 no. Whole foods, please. Like I wanted to, like I had things I wanted. She's like, no, you're going to, you're going to thank me. We walk, we step foot into the other grocery store. And the second we step in there, I get a text from my buddy. Hey, just met Shaq at Whole Foods. <laughs> See, they, you got to listen, listen to your parents or else you will miss out on meeting NBA Hall of Famers. Yep. There you go. And then the other one, the other one is, is more similar to your uh, first story with Beltre. I'm a, I'm a freshman in college at the time and I'm like doing homework or studying for something. And I'm in my dorm and the, there's this place called Captain Cookie that's like attached to CVS. And it's like, I don't know, it's not a mile, but it may be like a half mile maybe a little bit more away on foot and i'm i'm doing my homework i get a text and i went to college in washington washington dc i get a text from my friend uh he says bryce harper's here at captain cookie i throw on my shoes i didn't even tie them i sprinted to captain cookie and there's a great picture of me i'll show you guys uh, after the show or something uh Maybe we'll uh, post it from post the play it. Tessie Twitter. Post we'll post it. it. If we if we get enough people asking for it, we'll post it from the PT Twitter account. But there's a great picture of me and my buddies with Bryce Harper and my shoes with these neon shoelaces are just fully untied. <laughs> so you got to meet him though? Oh yeah, no, I trust me, I bolted, man. I I dropped everything. I did, did get to meet him. Did you choke him out? I did not choke him out. He was very nice. He was with his now wife, who at the time publicly they had they had broken up. But I was like, "Oh wow, he's with uh, he's with that he's with that girl," and then eventually they got married, back together. Well, I'm disappointed you didn't choke him out. Our boy Pap would have, you know, liked that. But it's cool yeah. that you met him, though. Yeah, yeah, huh. cool. All right, Pat, you got any uh, favorite Adrian Beltre Red Sox moments? No, I just remember because when he was on the Sox, I would have been. It was twenty six years old at the time. Ten, right? Twenty ten. Yeah, I was yeah. 10, yeah. Yeah, so I was 11, so I was in fifth grade. Uh, but at that stage in your life, you're very malleable. You, you're like a ball of Play-Doh. Like, whatever you see, you want to replicate. I cannot count on these two hands how many swings on a knee I took in baseball that year. All I <laughs> wanted was to hit one out from my knee. Oh. Mind you, this is like the same year that I used to do. I would be playing first base like this get called into pitch and then change my hat for CC. Oh yes. <laughs> and then Next meanwhile, I'm up the plate, like a jackass on one knee striking out, like <laughs> looking like an yeah, idiot. We always, that was like, I would throw the ball like underarm because Manny did it. Yeah. Like we, the, you're very wind up in the scoop through. Yeah. Bef well, guys... Before we, 
You know the one one more Beltray thing. Sorry, you know about the cup thing? No, nobody cup knows. Thing. So Adrian Beltre, who played third base for a million years in the majors, which is you're getting rocketed at you, did not wear a cup because he was so confident in his fielding. I love that. Tough That's, as nails. Yeah, no cup. I think he's uh, he's no, command at all times, baby. He's one of a kind. I mean, he my. I don't remember a whole lot from the Beltre era because it was so short and it was so long ago. And like, it was a pretty unmemorable year outside of the fact that Adrian Beltre kind of just walked in the door and killed it and then left. But obviously you have to remember the, the head, the head touching Victor Martinez and like Marco Scudero and all those guys would touch his head and you freak out. And if, if you're younger and listening to the show and you don't know what I'm talking about, go look up the videos because they are freaking awesome. Uh, so there was that, and then his knee just shattering Jacoby Ellsbury's ribs in like mm. April or May that year. Yeah, that was brutal. That stuff. Yeah, but I remember every that was the big debate in Boston. People were like, "Is is Jacoby Ellsbury injury prone?" And it's like, "Okay, he's been injured this many times." But then people go, "Oh, it's because he got he ran into Adrian Beltre. Anyone would get hurt." But yeah, that was yeah. a big debate. Remember that? Good times. Not really. They were pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. And was then that there the same was that... that Mike Cameron like died on the field. Yeah, that was Mike Cameron's one year with the, right? Yes, right. Yeah, because Ellsbury was playing left. Because they, what the hell was that about? They moved Ellsbury to left for Mike Cameron. Mike Cameron was pretty fucking good in center field. But it's Jacoby. It's like your guy. Like, why are we bringing in like a Mike Cameron on his last legs to push Jacoby? Oh, that's like that, that's like when uh, the Angels moved Trout out of center field for Peter Borges. Like, what the hell? Oh, what are we yeah. doing? <laughs> why in, uh, in 2011, Mike Cameron? played this was his second year with the red sox he played 33 games and had a 28 ops plus that is bad oh what was his batting average um i'm gonna guess pretty low his batting average was 147 149 wow oh that's actually higher than i thought i would have guessed like 110 but whatever bad bad not good well, anyway, shout out Adrian Beltre, Red Sox legend. We have lots of fond memories of Adrian Beltre and his many, many, many tens of games with the Red Sox. Uh, and then I was hoping we were going to have another Red Sox Hall of, or another Hall of Famer, Red Sox legend get in, Billy Wagner. Didn't get it. He will get it next year. We'll have this conversation next year and we'll talk about our favorite Billy Wagner memories. Yeah, kind of cool that Billy Wagner, a closer, it's going to come down to his final year of eligibility. It's kind of poetic. I hope it is poetic. It. I don't know if it you is. guys heard him on Baseball Isn't Boring with our good friend Rob Bradford. He sounds so nice, that guy, Billy Wagner. Mm-hmm. I, I just like a nice Southern dude. So I, or he's from Virginia. That's I don't know. Cool thing. Like, consider that the South, whatever. My takeaway from like that interview is him being like, I'm not worried about me, but what does it mean for guys like Kenley and K-Rod and like all mm-hmm. those and Kimbrell? I'm like, hey, look at this guy. He's not even in yet. He's already looking out for the other guys. Is it true well, that he was like a righty and he hurt his arm or something and he taught himself to throw lefty or am I making stuff up? I feel like I've heard that. Let me, let me, let me verify. I've, I've definitely heard that about someone. Maybe it was him, but I like the Billy. I like that. He's like doing the whole media tour. Like he's been doing a bunch of interviews lately. And it's kind of like a presidential campaign in a way. Like so many of these guys just sit back and kind of let their stats do the talking. And like, I can appreciate that. If you're Adrian Beltre, you know, you're going to get over 90, 95% of the votes, whatever. 
you could just sit back and let your stats do the talking. But like Billy Wagner wants to be in the Hall of Fame. So he's going to do the media tour. And I respect it because like if I were a baseball player and I were really good, I would want to be in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to play it cool. Like just, I, like I deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Put me in. Put Gordo in the Hall of Fame. So right. Yeah. So he, he was Billy Wagner. I just confirmed he was a righty, hurt his arm, wasn't able to play. He was a kid. So he was impatient, taught himself how to throw lefty. And he might go into the Hall of Fame as one of the best left-handed closers ever. The best left-handed closer ever? I'm trying to think. It's like, yeah. I'm trying to think. Chapman, Aroldis Chapman is a lefty, and I'm trying to think of any other left-handed closers. Hater, but he's still going. Um, Hater. Wow, he might Hater. be the best lefty. We're probably forgetting some. There's probably someone listening, like, screaming at the at, at us uh, right now. No, I think it is Billy Wagner. Yeah. Only how many left-handed closers are there? It's like I mean, John usually... John Franco was a lefty. Yeah, true. I'll take Billy. Take Billy. Give me Billy. Give me Billy. Yeah, Billy. I would too. Best left-handed closer of all time. Yeah, yeah. Give me Billy. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. that's our Hall of Fame stuff. That's a, that. That's our Hall of Fame talk. Lots of Red Sox Hall of Fame talk, as there is every year, because the Red Sox produce Hall of Famers every single year, as you all know. Speaking yeah. of Red Sox Hall of Famers, we have a lot of them, a lot of future Hall of Famers in our starting rotation, as you all know. Oh, we do. Yeah, we oh. do. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop that. No, no, that's, that, that there's, there's a red, a future. There's someone in my head who I, in my head declared a future Hall of Famer and I'm not going to say who it is. No, you're going to jinx it. Certainly not on the show. You put a in the rotation. <laughs> Wait, in the current rotation? Come on. No, no, no. Not, not necessarily. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't tweet it. I didn't tweet it, so it doesn't count. Oh my god. Anyway, you, we'll you, forget about that. It didn't happen. Didn't you happen. You really love you love Nick Pavetta's whirly bird pitch so much <laughs> that you think it's gonna put him in the Hall of Fame. Listen, I'm as high as Chris Murphy on the next guy. But <laughs> <laughs> what if Chris Murphy becomes the best left-handed closer ever, Pat? There we go. It's my guy. Chris Murphy in short stints, man. He's he's that dude. Good hair. But no, I want to get to a, a tweet that Sammy sent out. It had a poll in it, and uh, <clears throat> I might actually just kick this out, kick this over to Sammy, so we can read the tweet and uh, talk about the discussion that he ignited. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time. It's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, so uh, this morning, around 9 a.m., I had the idea to post a nation. And, and I said... Uh, Will the Red Sox enter the 2024 season with a full rotation of MLB starting pitchers? Or for the third consecutive year, will they enter the season without a full rotation of MLB starters? So two things. First of all, uh, 414 votes right now at about 9 p.m. Eastern as we record. Uh, More than 75% of them think that the Red Sox will not have five MLB starting pitchers. But my biggest takeaway from this poll is that people do not agree with me that they did not have five MLB starting pitchers the prior two seasons. A lot of people were saying, yes, they did. This is revisionist history. 
blah, blah, blah. So real quick, let's go over it. 2023, the first, the rotation entering the season. So Bale was not on the major league roster. Paxton was still hurt. Here it is. Get ready. Some pain. Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Tanner Houck, Cutter Crawford, Nick Pavetta. Now, you could make the case that that's five MLB starters. I would disagree. At the time, Tanner Houck was a, you know, maybe he can be a starter, maybe not. I wouldn't consider someone like that a solidified MLB starter. Same case with Cutter Crawford. You could make the same case for Nick Pavetta, but I won't go that far. Um, and then 2022, a little better actually, which is sad. Uh, Ivaldi, Pivetta, Hauk, Michael Waka, and Dick Mountain, Rich Hill. So that's, I would say, four solidified MLB starters. I wouldn't count Hauk there. Um, and then, you know, for reference, here's 2018 so you can compare. <laughs> I keep doing that. I keep thinking to 2018 when thinking, what what do I want this Red Sox rotation to turn into? But go, read, off, read off this great list. Read, read it off. Chris Sale coming off of arguably his best season ever in 2017. David Price, Cy Young Award winner Rick Porcello, Erod, and then technically the last spot was Pomeranz, but they had they had it split between Brian Johnson and Hector Velasquez while, he, while uh, Pomeranz was recovering. And when you have Sale, Price, Porcello, Rodriguez, you can get away with the fifth spot being held for, uh, I think, like three weeks it took for him to come back. So, yeah, I don't think. Not to mention. What you say? Not to mention. Not to mention the trade deadline they get Nathan Evaldi. So. Yeah, and then it becomes Evaldi in the uh, the Beakman trade. So, um, yeah. Point being, 2022-2023, I don't think they entered the season with five MLB starting pitchers. <clears throat> they had a few maybes. I don't count that. Um, that's an experiment. That's great. Sometimes that works out. Um, but sometimes it doesn't. So, um, not I have sure a follow-up question. Yeah, I have a follow-up question. <clears throat> so, first off, I, I think it's, I think it's wrong to look at it and not count Bayo and Paxton because they are part of the like. All you can ask for is that they build the roster the like with enough starting pitching, and if like if they have 10 starting pitchers and seven of them go down and so they only enter the season with three starters, that's not poor roster building. That's just poor luck. Yeah. But so two questions for you, Sammy. Let's say, let's say Bayo did enter the season healthy. Do you count Bayo as an MLB starting pitcher? And do you count Corey Kluber as an MLB starting pitcher? Like, are we talking about as we enter the season? Last year? Yeah. Yeah, well, Kluber, for sure, you have to count. He yeah. was coming off a pretty solid season with Tampa. So yep. this, this is so where... So it's not looking back. It's not, yeah. it's not revisionist. So this is where there's a little bit of room for nuance. I think if you have a top prospect and that top prospect has been a starting pitcher and is, you know, it's not like Tanner Houck where you want to stretch them out. It's like, this guy came up as a starter. We're going to use him as a starter. And when he gets here, he's going to start. Uh, that I would count. I would count that as like a starting pitcher solidified not as much so you know there's some wiggle room if you look at a guy like Yamamoto you got to count him as a starting pitcher so um for this scenario yeah I would have counted Bayo but he didn't start uh the season in the majors and then Paxton I don't think you could say bad luck because you go back at the time he hadn't pitched since like Nam so you can't really no, I don't think it's bad luck I, I, I agree with you I agree with you that that so, was yeah, like a fair like, 
if you if you have a rotation and part of that rotation is like your top pitching prospect, I count that. But if it's a guy like Hauk where you're like, we think this guy might have what it takes to convert to a starter, that I don't count. But also like, you know, there's an argument for both. Yeah, that's so I I'm gonna have to combat you on this a little bit just because last year I entered the season thinking they actually did have enough starting pitching depth, and I definitely was wrong. But going into the year, like my mindset was they've got Sale, he's a legit starter. Bayo, we think he's going to be a very legit starter. Kluber, you think he's going to be like able to at least eat innings and have a mid four ZRA? Like he's a starter. Pavetta, he's a starter. And then I considered Hauk a starter. Like I pulled up, I pulled up the numbers in 2021. He pitched 18 games, 13 of which were starts, and he had a 3-5-2 ERA. And then the next year, he was pretty much exclusively a reliever with a 3-1-5. Hmm. Uh, like, so he had done it. So I was, like, pretty confident having him. And, and I was really confident. Okay, fine. It was it was Whitlock. I thought Whitlock, I, I thought Whitlock was going to be a Hall of Famer. Me too. Me too. I, I, was, I was discussing this with someone today. I also thought that Hauken Whitlock could be starters. But I also remember getting a ton of shit from people right before the season started last year when I was saying they need more starter depth. They need more starting Hold depth. Hold on. Hold no. on. Did you did you just me too to me saying no, no, I wait, thought wait, wait, Garrett Whitlock was going to be a Hall of Famer? Sammy, I don't think you understood what Gordo just said. Did he say that <laughs> Dude, he I, was going to be a starter? Did I miss something? Yeah. I said- <laughs> he just said Garrett Whitlock was his aforementioned Hall of Fame pick. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gordo. Okay, guys, I had I literally had the tweet written out and it was okay. I forget if it was it was 2 years ago when he was on that run of really good starting uh so 2022, he was on a really good run and he was having an absolutely insane start against the Angels and he was striking out everybody. And I had this tweet ready to go. I was like, okay, this is going to be a hot take, but I'm going to look really freaking smart in a few years. And then he let up like a two-run homer, and I was like, okay, now's that probably it, not the time. The Hall, of Fame career. the Hall of Famer? No, it didn't ax the thought, but it was it, – I was like, it's not the right time. Like, I'll wait till he kills at the next start. And then he, like, kind of went down the tubes, and then he got hurt, and I was like, okay, glad I didn't tweet that. Delete the draft. Delete the draft. No. Um, oh, it's out of the drafts. It's gone. I should have screenshotted it. That's it's, brutal. It, yeah, I should frame I, it. I believe you. But anyway, okay, to take it back, um, Gordo, I agree with you there. I thought that Hauk and Whitlock could be starters, but I did, and like not not trying to like brag on my take, but like I remember getting a ton of crap from people because I said they need more depth. There's so many unproven guys. They need more depth. This isn't a full rotation. At the same time, I believe in Whitlock. I believe in Hauk. Maybe that's fence riding a little bit, but you got to have a contingency plan, and I feel like, I mean, I don't they feel did. like they definitely didn't have a contingency plan or a good one at least. It was Cutter and it or yeah, it was Cutter and it was Winkowski. And and then Winkowski, I guess, became a full time reliever, so he wasn't really eventually part of that. Talking. My bad. I'm talking about twenty twenty three, last year, not twenty twenty two. Right, but Cutter like, I'm like, saying in spring training, like Winkowski was starting games in spring training and it kind of felt like, okay, he was going to be the depth. And then he wasn't, he was definitely a reliever. Like we never considered that, him starting. That's what I'm talking about. That's not like the kind of depth. I, I I mean, like a guy, like an MLB starter, he doesn't even have to be good. Like it could be like Jordan Lyles, like a guy who stinks, but you can just throw him out there and he's going to eat innings and like save the pen and at least maybe Jacob give him a chance. Just like here's the issue. Here's the issue. The issue with Lyles 
And like, this is definitely like a discussion the Red Sox have because like they know they don't have a good enough pitching depth at this point. But the issue is that pitching depth has to come from the minors because it needs to be optionable. Because if you have Jordan Lyles, he can't be optioned. So you're starting a guy who's going to have what, like a mid fives or a six ERA? Like you can't. Yeah. So well, like you can't get, put like him... a, get a get a not homophobic version of Matt Dermody. That's it's... what I'm talking about, like a veteran. Cooper Criswell. That's what he's here for. Sure, sure. Minus minus the minus the sideshow. Yeah, I mean, he's more of a I mean, isn't he a reliever that they hope can start too? It, yeah. Exactly, but I'm just saying they like in for your depth, for your depth guys, like they don't need to be these perfect options. They just need to be guys that can get major league outs and can get you through a game if a guy is going to miss a little bit of time. So last okay. year they had Sale, Bayo, Kluber, Pavetta, Hauk, Crawford, Whitlock, Winkowski. If you subtract Winkowski, that is seven guys capable of starting big league games, at least so we thought at the beginning of the year. Corey Kluber evidently was not capable of starting big league games. But, the, but that's only like three guys who you're like, this is a MLB starting pitcher. Not like maybe. Right. That's like so three, that's your question. Yeah. So that's I your question. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. I, goal is what I mean. Not like a. I feel com- like I felt confident as hell in Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck, I, I still think could maybe be a starter. Uh, same with Whitlock, maybe. I, I'd rather them in the bullpen. I think we've I, we've seen a lot at this point. A good experiment. Glad they tried it. But like I'm talking about guys, you know, will give you like 130, 40, 50 like decent innings. So. Yeah, yeah. That uh, just to go off that. There's a big difference between five MLB starters and three MLB starters and three more guys who might be able to start. Right. Yeah. Like sure. Yeah. Like I years ago, I'm not in this boat anymore in any way, shape, or form. I thought that Whitlock and Hauk could could be starters, but at no point was I money in the bank. These guys are MLB starters. And I think that's the thing is they have not had a rotation of five guys where you go, those five guys in the rotation right now are MLB starters. They will be in that rotation the entire year. They've not had that in years. No, they haven't. Sammy, can you go back and read that 2022 or we can, if you don't have it up, we can remember it. it. The 2020, what was 2022 rotation, including Chris Sale? 2022 to start. So this is to start. So Sale was not there yeah so right but let's talk from a roster building standpoint okay we'll talk from a roster building standpoint i was supposed to come back at some point i kind of oh 2022 is when his hand exploded yeah waka he busted up his uh rib in camp that year yeah so 2022 i'll go over it again evaldi great pavetta was your second guy hauk who lasted 3.1 innings in his first start waka who turned into the greatest pitcher of all time and then our hero rich hill dick mountain what so, was was Garrett Richards on that team as well, or is that twenty one? No, that's twenty one. See, but that there you go, Pat. That's what I'm talking about. A guy like Richards, not great. He's a veteran. You could put him in the bullpen for now, but he has experience as a starter for multiple years. I mean, a guy like that, a cheap, probably costs like two million dollars. Nothing, a nothing signing, but it's a safety net to prevent what happened in 2023 when you got 42 openers a week and everyone's tired and you just fall down the stretch i want to go back to what pat said because he brings up he brings up a good point it it really is just like a a roster building point but he's like the three three big league starters and three maybes doesn't work even four big league starters and one spot filled with maybes 
doesn't work unless the top of your rotation is really good. Yeah. Because then you're one injury away from the three and and then you've got to fill two spots. Yeah. So so to go to your to go to your point about this year's Yeah, that well yeah, 2018 you had basically five guys, one guy goes down so you're, you're starting your your maybes and that like you can you can work with that because especially one one spot can be filled at the deadline if you can just tread water till then, which is what a lot of teams do. But fast forward to this year, right now what do you have? You've got Gilito, you've got Bayo, you've got Pivetta, and you've got Crawford. And how the re- the the last spot is is Whitlock, Hauk, Winkowski, whatever. But of those first four spots, how many of those spots do you consider? And I, I want to ask this at Sammy because you asked the question. How many of those are li- are major league starters? The way you're considering, the way you're thinking about it when you ask that question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so definitely Giolito, definitely Bayo. Hmm. Crawford, I feel like he showed enough last year for me to just barely sneak him in. A five. Yeah. Pivetta. Oof. I, I mean, you want you, you want to say yes, but like if I'm abiding by the rules that I just put in, I can't say yes. He's we we think he can start. I think all of us agree. We think yes. he's capable, but are we supremely confident? I think I'm fairly confident, but I'm not going to, I'm not taking it to the house, you know? Like, I'm not, oh, this is a surefire thing. I think I, I think, was, like, maybe. I think you can be confident that he's worthy of a major league rotation spot. The, the real question is, is he worthy of the major league rotation slot that he is going to be slotted into with the 2024 Red Sox, which is in all likelihood the number three spot, and Jeez. that's basically that's basically is he gonna hit his ceiling? And but that that doesn't necessarily need to be the question. Like the question is, if the question is, is he going to be good enough to be a major league starter in a major league rotation? I think I think we can that's fairly fair. confidently say yes. That's fair. I mean, like I the, the way I stated the question was kind of like it didn't leave it left some room for like you know I mean I, I could have added more nuance to it, but like you know, concise is better for social, in my opinion, but no. And I think it's good. I think it's good that you let people interpret it the way that they interpret it. Cause like there are some people out there that don't think that Lucas Giolito should be in a starting rotation. Cause he led the league in home runs allowed last year. And yeah, I think crazy. like That's you're, crazy. you're, yeah. and then there are some people that are going to say <clears throat> that Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck should both be considered starting pitchers. And the Red Sox have six starters that are major league starters today. Yeah, I mean, I had one guy say, I think they have eight starting pitchers, which obviously is insane, but like... Who? There's different... I, I, don't, I don't even want to give this person credit. It's a terrible take, but like... I'm pulling up your class to see for myself. I got to see who this guy is. I yeah. can count seven. Who Who the hell is, is... Is Cooper Criswell the eighth? Who am I forgetting? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, Who's the eighth? I can't... Who is it? I don't know. I don't know, but point being, like, you, you got... Like, there's different ways to look at it depending on how confident you are. I'm just saying, like... um. You know, there's just I, I I would like more consistency. It doesn't even need to be a star. And this is why I was talking about like uh, Spencer Turnbull a few weeks. That could be your your safety net guy. I don't want that to be the next rotation addition, but like just someone who has decent MLB experience. And not talking about how who's like started what like 21 games. He started those out of necessity, and it was like it, it, well a combination of an experiment and necessity. So. Right. I would just like a more, you know, someone that 
I feel can go out there and at least give you like five, six innings, even if they're giving up, you know, like four runs, whatever. Okay. We, Sammy, it, so do you know yeah. what you're saying? Do you know what you're saying? What you're, you're saying that the Red Sox need some form of a pillow contract or they could make a trade or like something you're, you're like, and, and the reason I say pillow contract is because just to tie it all back together, the Red Sox were in a bridge year in 2010. I'm pretty sure that was the year they said bridge year and everyone freaked out. They, that year, signed Adrian Beltre to a one-year deal to sort of hold them over until they could get to their eleven, their 2011 signings like the the uh, Carl Crawford, the Adrian Beltre, whatever. And they used Adrian Beltre to sort of bridge that gap and it kept the Red Sox semi-competitive in 2010 even though they didn't make the playoffs like they were competitive for a while yeah watchable for whatever reason this this and like obviously they could like prove us wrong but all we've got to go off of is the things that they've leaked and they've said and like all that they said at winter weekend was don't expect anything else so like it's just it's, it's weird to me that they wouldn't sign a pillow contract type of guy there's still guys out there like I don't like what the hell's the problem with signing Hyunjin Ryu or Michael Lorenzen to a one year deal? Ten I, I million a, bucks. I got a little pillow contract. What do you got, Pat? What do you got? I hate this. I oh, hate God. bringing it up. Oh, God. Saw his name today and I thought, huh, that's a guy I'm got pretty surprised. Can Not I in guess? a good way. Can I guess? Wait, don't say anything yet. I know who it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. I saw his name come up, and not in a good way. I was like, I am stunned that the Red Sox have not been linked to this guy yet. Who do you think it is, Sammy? Michael Lorenzen? No. Oh, okay. Worse. Way worse. Um, Gordo, anything? I'm trying to think. Jacob I'm trying to th- Nope. A guy who you would think the Red Sox would be linked to? Just based on, like... Bottom of the barrel, maybe like a little bit of upside. Oh, don't please don't say Trevor Bauer. No, no, no. Okay, okay. (laughs) You said you said bottom of the barrel. I can give you one more hint. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One more hit. Go. He, at one point on one of the teams, shared a rotation with Lucas Giolito. Clevenger? Nope. Oh, no, no. Oh, they did share a rotation spot last year. Um... The Giolito, White Sox. Uh, all right, tell me. All I can get to in my head right now is James Shields, and I know it's not James Shields because he was just on the Hall of Fame ballot. So who is it, Pat? Noah Syndergaard. Oh, oh yeah. I saw Robert Murray. Uh, was He literally, he, Syndergaard and Lorenzen threw uh, a, like a bullpen session for, for teams to watch, and a bunch of teams showed up, but apparently the, both their velocities were good and like Syndergaard looked good and – I forget what what one of the I think it was the Padres and there was another team that's in on him. But it, I was I was I had that same thought. I was like, huh, I, I wonder why the Red Sox if there's if they're really going to be that's, this cheap. And and that's a guy who I cannot say this loudly and clearly enough. 
I pray to God that is not what this comes to. That being said, Noah Syndergaard on like a $5 million deal as in either compete for a fifth spot or just see whatever he is. Do it. Fine. One year, five million. You're gonna suck anyways. Yeah, do it. Do it if it means keeping Halkin Whitlock in the pen where they can thrive. Or at least not having the bullpen get burnt out. Actually, oh my god. Who's actually now that I'm saying this, Syndergaard's always hurt. Maybe that's not the guy. I don't know. How have we come to this? How is this how is this where we're at? We're we're talking about Syndergaard and saying uh... just do it. You guys want a little rundown of uh, Noah Syndergaard's stats last year? Oh, please. Go ahead. It was bad. He made 18 starts, went 2-6 and six oh. with a 6-5-0, oh. 88 innings. He let up 22 home runs. 22 in 88 <laughs> innings. Is ERA plus with 66. Okay, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, sorry. That was a brief. You guys remember that when we were all in on Noah Syndergaard for like uh, 37 seconds? He actually was not bad in no. 2022. No, no, oh, 2022. Okay. 2022. Okay. Yeah. He made 15 starts with the Angels, had a 3-8-3, and then went to the Phillies for that deep postseason run and had a 4-1-2 with 10 starts. What yeah, was I... his fit? What was his fit for the year? In 22? Yeah. Uh, his ERA plus was 102, so he's perfectly league average. His nope. FIP was 383. Ooh, what the hell? What? Bring him back. Okay. Right, I'm back in on Cindergard. Look at that. This is how low we are. Just like every other pitcher that we have ever mentioned on this podcast, let Andrew Bailey work a little magic on him. Oh, God. You know what's funny? That I, is... uh, I, uh, I was going through this like in my head today. We went from, this is really depressing. Maybe the Red Sox will sign Yamamoto. Okay, no. Maybe they'll get Montgomery. Eh, probably not. Hey, we got Giolito. Then it was trade for Lazardo. Maybe they'll sign Snell. Did Cease's price come down? Maybe James Paxton. Edward Cabrera? Maybe Yariel Rodriguez can start. Why not just bring back Paxton this time? Come on, let's actually do it. Now it's like Michael Lorenzen can eat innings. Jacob Judas? Even get connections to the Red Sox? Like, oh my God. We've we've been so let down this off season. I'm glad we're laughing about it though. It's no longer pissing me off. You have I just to. I just giggle. You have to. Is there yeah. even? I'm trying to think because there have been off seasons where the Red Sox like didn't do anything. Like after 2018, all they did was re-sign Evaldi and they let Kimbrel go. Like we've we've had boring off seasons and stuff. There is no way that there has been an off season as cl- even remotely close to as disappointing as this one. It's not possible. It's not like this might be the like most disappointing off season in the history of baseball off seasons. It depends. I mean, do you want to count bets? Okay, they traded bets. Yeah, I mean, I yeah that one stunk. Yeah, what? What? That was also also right after the World Series, so it was like we weren't as furious. We weren't coming off. Sorry, I hate when people say we. The Red Sox weren't coming off of. uh, Oh, I Three that. place finishes in four years. So, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, this offseason sucks is the big takeaway. And remember we were talking earlier, like, I'm so glad we're getting play Tessie started right ahead of this offseason. It's going to be nuts. It'll be we, a great offseason. I know. In the gif for, like, oh, we're going to post this every time Breslow makes a move. And it, we've uh. <laughs> God, everything no. sucks. 
hold on. I'm gonna pull up the tweet because my uh, we when when Playtesty launched, we all sent out tweets ourselves to like promote the show from ourselves. Like, hey, we're launching this. I'll read mine. Life update. Super excited to announce the launch of Odyssey and WEI's new Red Sox podcast that I'll be co-hosting. Play Tessie. New episodes dropping soon. We'll be covering all things Red Sox throughout what's expected to be a critical offseason and beyond. I, I wrote that tweet thinking, all right, like we're going to we're going to start now. We're going to get out it like a month. We're going to have episodes for a month and then they're going to sign Yamamoto yep. and then they're going to trade for, I don't know, Corbin Burns. And we're gonna we're gonna do this podcast throughout like the biggest rebound Red Sox season, and it's gonna be freaking great. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. And remember, it started like uh, I remember Breslo traded, did the Verdugo trade, and I was like, "Oh, we're just getting started, dude. This is gonna be epic." And then it was crickets, and then it was like Giolito and Tyler O'Neill, cool, and Von Grissom. I think I got that out of order, but you know what I mean. It was just... No, you got it right. I will say, the moves that have happened, to reiterate, I have liked them. It's just not yeah. the caliber that we... It's not even close to the caliber. Who's, who said that recently? I, I think it might have been Red Sox stats piece that he wrote on his sub stack. But it's like, you yeah. can look at each individual one of Breslow's moves, and, and it was that, now that I think about it a little harder. It's like... Trading Verdugo for pitching depth and getting Tyler O'Neill basically for free, like that's a good piece of business. You add Giolito. I like Giolito. You yeah. trade Chris Sale for Von Grissom. That's a good move. You've you've built up a lot of pitching depth. I like that. None of the moves are bad, yet the offseason as a whole itself is a D. Yeah, because, because of what they glaring, haven't done. Yeah. You have glaring needs. You address second base. You've completely half-assed pitcher. And you still are missing a big producer in your lineup. You know, that's the most, that might be the most frustrating thing is all like season long. I was thinking, okay, at least the offense is set. We don't have to worry about the offense. Now I'm like, I hope it's as good as 2023. When I think they were 11th in runs scored. I think yeah. they'll be close to that, but they, it wouldn't shock me if it took like a small step back. Now, that being said, if I had to guess, I would say it'll be fine. But I thought it was going to be like a plus, like a big plus, because that's the hallmark of all good Red Sox teams. So, uh, yeah, just uh, and, uh, I don't know how many times we can go over how disappointed we are. But luckily, there's still like 21 days left or 20 or 19, 18, 17, 16. There's some days left before pitchers and catchers. Wants a depressing fact. Oh, depress me. Oh, come on. We, we we're, we're on the train. Seven days away from the last move the red sox made it is would be a month wow so in a week, a week from now marks a month from their last move from the grissom trade okay so it's been what like 23 days 24 yep. days 24 days wow you know what props to us guys we're awesome like we hey, we're still turning yeah, out awesome. yeah it's for the people we're um, freaking awesome man but you know right. what you want to know what sammy yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we're, we talked about, you know, all the things that they haven't done to this point and how, like, you make a couple other moves and we like those moves as much as the ones they have made. Maybe there's a chance that this offseason could go from a, a D to a C. and Or maybe Ooh. if there's a couple of them, maybe it could go to a B. Yeah. And if you want to, uh, if you want to 
just evaluate Breslow, understanding the budgetary constraints that he's under. Maybe you could even give Breslow an A if he's able to put together a few other moves. And uh, we might have some ideas. We know Craig Breslow's listening to every single one of these episodes. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. We, uh, we haven't done this in a while. We'll do a little uh, who says no here. You know, it's getting to the end of January. It's trade season before spring training, sometimes into spring training, sometimes at the very end of spring training. I remember yeah. Kimbrell got shipped off to uh, San Diego. What was that, like a day before the season? Yeah, two days. Two days before the uh, – I think it was like two days before the season or something. It was crazy late. Yeah. I remember. I was in New Hampshire at the time. Weird that I wasn't, remember. Wasn't BJ Upton in that deal? Or he was Melvin at that point? Melvin. Yeah, he was Melvined out. He, did he go back? I think he might have gone back to BJ. I don't know. Does any name inspire fear in your heart like Melvin? <laughs> Melvin's a great name, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Big Mel. <laughs> Pat just left. Pat Big just Mel. left because he got so shook by the name Melvin. Sorry, oh, I was throwing Melvin. up. Oh, he just threw up because Melvin. All right. You want to hear my <laughs> Yeah. Sammy, you, you run it out there. Let's hear it. All right. You guys are going to fucking hate this one. <laughs> oh, that sucks, dude. Nobody's going to like. Actually, you know what? Maybe some people will will get behind it. Um, but this is like this is what I think is like a realisticish trade at this point in late January. All right. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm well aware this is not plan A. This is not plan B. Might not even be plan C or D, but it's a viable plan. You're setting this trade up to suck, dude. Jeez. I mean, it's not much. All right, here's the trade. And it's with the Oakland Athletics, who are sending Brent Rooker and J.P. Sears to Boston for a package of prospects. Okay, so let me explain. Um, Now, people can argue all day about which prospects are headed to the Athletics. But this is certainly a deal that would not include uh, Anthony, Meyer, or Teal. I think we can cross those three off the list right away. Uh, Brent Rooker, coming off a career year. He just turned 29. He plays outfield and bats right-handed. Check, check. 2023, he started hitting the ball in the air a lot more, and that led to 30 home runs, which is really impressive in Oakland because that place, I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Coliseum. It's gigantic, and it's also colder than you would think. So that's I would say the toughest place to hit uh, in Major League Baseball. And if it's not the toughest, it's close. Uh, 130 OPS plus last year. So if you're not familiar with that stat, that means he was 30% better than the average Major League hitter. Adjusted for the ballpark. Uh, 127 weighted runs created plus, which is tied with Adley Rushman and just one point below Louis Robert. Uh, So he can hit. Uh, And keep in mind, though, those were, you know, ballpark adjusted, like, I, I can't stress this enough. Like, you got to go to the Oakland Coliseum. It is just, it's dreadful. So he he put these numbers together despite that. Uh, and I kind of look at Brent Rooker as like what we thought Bobby Dahlbeck would become. Like a guy with who can move well, strikes out too much, but he hits tanks. So he's also a great vibes guy. Uh, second guy in the trade, left-handed starting pitcher, J.P. Sears. Not a superstar. He's 28 years old, four and a half ERA, 5.15 FIP. Not great. 
Uh, but if you break down his season, it's like a tale of two halves. Great first half. Well, <laughs> a good first half. Started 18 games, ERA below four. A really bad second half. He just got smacked around. I would guess he ran out of gas. It's the long way of saying there might be some potential to unlock. Um, and at the very least, we know he can he can throw like around 150 innings, fill out the rotation, save the bullpen. Contract right, contract wise, uh, Rooker is pre-arb. He's still on his rookie deal through 2027. That makes him more appealing, knowing that like you could either keep him around or you can move him fairly easily because he costs nothing. As for Sears, similar cheap deal, pre-arb for the next two years. And he's ARB eligible in 2026, which is his age 30 season. As for the Oakland A's, why I think they would entertain this, uh, we know they're never going to spend any money, at least until they move. They're not sticking around Oakland. They have no plans to compete. Uh, and if there's any team that would accept quantity of prospects over quality, it's the A's. They did it with the Matt Olson deal. They did it with the Matt Chapman deal. And it wouldn't see me. It wouldn't shock me to see them do it again in the Rooker and Sears hypothetical deal here um, they are literally the smallest of small market teams so that's the idea like i said to be abundantly clear this is not plan a b c maybe not even plan d but it's a plan go for what, it how many years how many years does rooker have left rooker is locked up through 2027 so you would have him for 2024 2025 2026 and tw- so four years i had to count that on my fingers See, this is interesting, Sammy, because it's – I get that it's two. I'm curious what you – because I know you said a package of prospects, and obviously, like, we could get into the super nitty-gritty, but, like, two guys, kind of their two best-ish players besides, like, maybe, like, Zach Geloff or something. I don't know. They've got some decent guys over there. But, like, this is two of their better guys, and they're both very controllable. I actually think it would cost more than you'd think. Considering considering the amount of control they have, because I was surprised to see Sears' second half numbers. I thought he was better than that. So I don't know, not better. But the the reason I think they would do this is because these guys don't fit the timeline. Like they're both almost thirty, and if you go by the way the A's have operated, it's we wait for the young guys to come up, <clears throat> like another team uh, that plays in Boston. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so obviously you don't want to operate like the A's. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so they, they you know, guys who are close to 30, disposable to them. So if you send, and I don't think it would be cheap. I just don't think it would cost, you know, top three prospects. You are buying high on Rooker, which I know people are going to hate, but we're running out of options here. So I don't know what you guys think the prospect package would be. There we, I saw some Twitter exchanges this week. This is the kind of trade that Nick York can actually be a centerpiece of. Like I think Nick York in like two to three, like maybe the 15 to 25 range, that's kind of the package. These guys aren't great. They're they're, they're kind of major leaguers. Yeah. I mean, like this is the kind of deal. People are like, Nick York isn't a centerpiece. Nick York could be a centerpiece here. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, yeah, I, I would, I think if it's one, I think yeah. if I think if you're just like if you wanted to talk Rooker for York and something like you could do it. I just I just get so concerned and I know I know he did finish the year strong, but I get so concerned that a guy with with Brent Rooker's history like I'm going to pull up his page right here. 
he so yeah he's what you're about to say is another reason that maybe the price won't be crazy because it's not much of a track record. It's not. That's kind of what I'm it's, thinking. It's not going to be crazy. You're right. He doesn't have. He in fact he has practically no track record. He None. more than doubled up his total career games played as a rookie. He was a rookie in 2020 and and played big league games in 20, 21, and 22 before breaking out in 2023. I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like yes, I would definitely rather they bring him in and trade like a non-top three, four, five prospect then bring Adam Duvall back because at least like there could be something you're building on there. Upside, but, yeah. I mean, if you hit 30 home runs in Oakland and then you switch to like very hitter-friendly Fenway Park yeah. and and you're hitting with guys on base a lot more and or someone scary hitting behind you like Devers or Casas, changes a lot. So it also... Follow up. Go ahead. Follow up. We know they need controllable starting pitching, and the biggest reason for that, there's two reasons for that. A, they don't have enough pitching at the big league level, and B, they don't have enough pitching in the minors. But with the outfield, do you need something controllable? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, you you don't. I mean, it's a bone. Okay, how about this? Nick York and William Abreu for the for those two. Yes or no? It's a tough one. I would do it. I don't think they would do it. Yeah, it's true. I they don't think I don't think Oakland would do it. I'm saying like like I think if they're trading Rooker, I don't know how much. I mean, Abreu's a little bit younger, but I think they're more in the interest of like younger, high upside kind of guys. But I don't hate that trade. Yeah, I, I don't, don't I don't hate the concept for one of them. I feel like if you're doing two, it is oh bless you, Pat. Bless you, Pat. It Thank is you. so hard to quantify both of their values because like JP Sears kind of just I know he, I know they traded for him like and so they must have seen something they liked. But like they both kind of just came out of nowhere and like JP Sears is not young. It's not like he's like some up and coming twenty four year old and like Brent Rooker. Yeah. Like it's like that's just a wacky trade to like yeah, try to this is what I'm saying both of those guys fill a need for the Red Sox and there's a million reasons why their price isn't going to be high. So it's kind of a yin and yang kind of trade. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad. Like, I don't know. I, I just think that if there's any trade that any team that you could poach talent off of for like a smattering of second tier prospects, it's the, yeah, I'll give my final answer on this. And then Pat, you can give your final answer and then you can give your trade. My okay. final answer is no, because I still think we wouldn't be good, and they're not fun players. So we would be bad and have players that aren't that fun. Whoa, whoa, Rooker is cool as hell. Have you seen his Twitter? Okay, yes, he's kind of funny, but like, bro. He's a like, wild man. I like Rooker. He broke vibes guy. Also cool batting stance. Obviously, if he came here, he would change my mind in a second, but. <laughs> no, I, 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 hear you, I hear you. Pat, what um, you final answer, and then give me your trade. I think it depends on the, the smattering of prospects. I think if you can literally get them for like York and nothing, then yeah, do it. I mean, York is so expandable at this point. You'd have to. If it's if yeah. it's just York and like 
mid-tier guys, you'd have to do it. York and like Blaze Jordan. Yeah, so do it. Figure it out. I don't I don't think it would be York though, because they have Geloff. I think it would probably be Rafaela. Oh, then absolutely the fuck not. No, yes for York, but not for Rafaela. No shot. Mm, okay. Okay. I don't know. See, this this I didn't put a return in because the There's of, no real yeah. price or gauge. Like of all the trades I've done the fake trades I've done. This one has such a massive spectrum. I just wanted people to like write in your own prospect package. Just know it's not going to include any of the top three or four blaze. You're not going to, is he four? It's not going to include blaze teal fire, Anthony, no shot. So that's why I like it. Cause you keep your, you keep your key guys. You fill two needs. Your lineup would be sick. Rotation still kind of stinks, but at least it won't burn your bullpen out. Yep. Mine, I actually think. Uh, uh, <laughs> guys, we have witnessed history for the first time on a live. Nope. Go pack. What? Sorry. Nope, I'm not saying it. Go pack. Oh, I know, I know what you're going to say. Uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, so the trade that I drew up, there's probably more to it to make it really make sense, but I think the parameters of it. Uh, we talk about this all the time. There's zero pitching in the farm. There's no controllable pieces at the major level either, aside from like Bayo. Um, my trade is Kenley Jansen and Sidon Rafaela to the Dodgers for Gavin Stone. Done. Ooh. Done. Deal. Deal. Done. If it helps you. Sedan is a little over five spots higher on the uh, MLB top 100. So those two prospects, I think, are like interchangeable. I mean, obviously, starting pitching is higher value than a really good defensive center fielder. But the Dodgers get their closer. They also get a controllable guy who, and I, I laid it out, their outfield right now is Mookie Betts, Manuel Margot, Jason Hayward, and James Outman. Hayward and Margot are both free agents after this year. Sedan, in all likelihood, is not a major league level outf- everyday outfielder this year. I think another like half season, full season in AAA, that's a very, at the bare minimum, gold glove caliber defensive player. High floor. High floor. They get Kenley. They get their closer. The Sox are essentially shedding payroll, which they love to do, while also trading away, you could save from a position of depth, a position player depth, and they get uh, the kind of prospect they do not have. Gavin Stone is a very good pitcher with rotation upside. Thoughts? Done. Done deal. You just explained it perfectly. Rafaela is a great prospect, but the Red Sox need starting pitching. They're hell-bent on shedding payroll in this sport that doesn't have a salary cap, I have to mention, for a second time today. Um, yeah, why, I can't think of an argument not to unless for some reason... Do the Dodgers? Could. What do you think about the Dodgers side of it? That's the issue. I'm not sure they do it. But I don't think it's crazy to say they would. I think I'm, they're in such a win-now mode. I don't, I don't think they do it, but... With the best available closer on the market right now, I think being David Robertson, they don't have a closer. 
They have guys who can close. Like the Red Sox have guys who can start, but they don't have a closer. Pat, I so I'm going to give you a take on this. I'm going to poke one hole in it while first uh, acknowledging that value-wise, I, I do I, I like looked at it a little bit. I, I thought about it. I actually do like it, and I and I would do it if I'm the Red Sox. The one hole I'll poke in it, and it's a small hole because you could you could figure it out. But the Dodgers just traded the number 44 prospect in baseball pretty much just to free up roster spots. Now they just signed James Paxton, so they're going to have to free up another one. And now you're going to trade them two 40-man guys for one. So that doesn't mean you can't work. Like I, I really do think Kenley to the Dodgers makes a ton of sense for everyone involved. Like The Dodgers can eat more money than other teams. They need a closer uh, or, at least, or at least more bullpen arms. Like it would be nice to have an established closer. And they, especially after Paxton, can deal from their from their starting pitching depth, particularly in the upper minors. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I think if you work around a little bit, you could get it to something that actually like because like if you made it like two for two, or maybe even the Dodgers sending in a third guy and maybe the red like I don't know. There's there's ways to make it very much work. And I wouldn't, so, wouldn't be surprised if Kenley to the Dodgers is a thing. Let me ask you this. Same package, but for Mick Abel. Okay, so hold on. Before, yeah, I mean, it, that's like the same. That's a very similar trade. It is, but the Phillies have a shit farm system. Yeah, so that might even I, be more realistic. I would do it. I don't think the Phillies would do that one. So, for just for context for people listening, uh, Mick Abel is the number forty-five prospect in baseball, and Gavin Stone is the number seventy-nine overall prospect in baseball. Those are both per MLB Pipeline, and that's like. I've, Obviously, kind of an older ranking. I think they ranked that midseason. They're going to drop their new rankings very soon. Uh, but just to give a little bit of context, I think I think the Dodgers are a little bit more in a position to deal from that depth. I do too. I was just floating it out there. Yeah. I mean, it, both those teams make sense as destinations for Kenley. I think the Rangers make sense. I think the Mariners might make a little bit of sense, even though they don't seem to trade foreclosures. They usually trade them away. But... Those those four teams, I think, make a lot of sense for Ken. Rangers. Rangers, I think, make a lot of sense. Pat, let's say you're really trying to woo the Phillies, who, like we said, have a bad farm. You want to get Mick Abel, who's one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. Your package is Kenley, fills their need at closer. Rafaela, good prospect. And then let's say you throw in one of Wickelman or Perales. Do you still do the trade? So I'm personally not big on Mick Abel. But I think if you flip it to like a Gavin Stone, yeah, throw in Luis Perales. I don't give a shit. I think both are pretty pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, I'd be cool with if there's pretty much any trade for me when you're keeping the top three prospects and Blaze for a good, like a legit good pitching prospect, I think you have to do it. Like what you're the you have not developed a good pitcher. I mean, we think Bayo's gonna be a very good pitcher, but like it's been so long. So I, I would I would do that if I'm the Red Sox. The the problem is the other side. I'm not sure they'd do yep. it, but I don't think it's out of the question, especially considering it's late in the offseason. Closers are I mean, at least I think closers are super important to contenders. So um I do think the stone one is a little bit more realistic. You might have to take like Ryan Yarbrough off their roster, like a 
I'm just looking at the lefties because that could fill another need for the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, just take a receiver off of their 40 man to make it happen because Gordo, that's a fair hole you poked, but I do think it's a pretty, pretty easy fix. Just tack on a reliever or something. So I prepared one, but as I think about it, I think I want to go in a different direction. So I'm thinking sort of on the fly here. So bear with me if I, if whatever, because I liked the idea of getting like the more, the more we think about this season, the more it, it becomes evident that it's a bridge year as like much as we hate that. So that's why they're not considering rentals. That's why they're really not considering two year guys and why it usually starts with guys with three years, but why, why stop there? So I'm going to have the Sox dealing with the San Francisco Giants who who did they just sign? They just signed a pitcher. To, uh, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. And yes. They, they traded Hicks. for Robbie Ray. So they just added two starters. Right. Two guys they right. want to start. And like they've loosely, I wouldn't say they've been like in the Marlins camp in terms of media talking about them dealing from a starting pitching surplus or anything like that. But it has been talked about. This is gonna. I mean, it's gonna. It's gonna be tough. But let's let's try to get Kyle Harrison from them. Kyle Harrison, one of the top starting pitching prospects in baseball, and he looked really good when he debuted last year. Like you get that guy in your rotation, and that's a building block. That's Andrew Bailey magic, baby. However, I believe that's the number one left-handed pitching prospect in Major League Baseball. I believe. I I wouldn't doubt that. Um, he's freaking good. And like the reason I go that route, like if you if you look at the guys who have a little bit more control, like my head automatically goes to the Mariners guys every single time. Like I look at George Kirby, who has five years of control. Like, but if you're looking at that guy, you're dealing multiple of your top three guys to get George Kirby. I think Kyle Harrison, he did look really good in his debut, but. I, I someone one of you guys pull up his numbers for me. I I cannot I can't fathom he made more. I don't think he made more than ten starts. He must have made like six On or it. so starts. Um, Kyle Harrison. Kyle yeah. uh, made seven starts with a four one five ERA. Uh, ERA plus of one hundred two, a FIP of five five three, and nine strikeouts per nine. Yeah, the FIP the FIP isn't great, but he was striking out the world, and he's also he, he, only twenty two years old. He's he's very good. He's very good. I'm a, I'm here to ask you guys. I know we think that after the Chris Sale Von Grissom trade, it it makes Nick York expendable, but there was part of part of us we talked about it that said, does it potentially make Marcelo Meyer expendable? Would you trade Marcelo Meyer? And probably something fillery-ish for Kyle Harrison. No. I mean, this is like this is a really weird metaphor. Kyle Harrison's like Marcelo Meyer of pitchers. You're basically right. getting the equivalent of Meyer at a tougher position to fill. That's also a need for your organization and the major league team at the moment as well. Um, I think it would be like Meyer and like, God, maybe 
a pitcher. I don't know. I don't want to just throw a name out there, but it would be Meyer and then a little bit of filler, like you said, Gordo. Ah, oh, that's a tough one to say no to. That's the best left-handed pitching prospect in the world. I think I would have to do it, especially you got Story locked in there for a while. You're the Red Sox. You churn out bats like crazy. I think I'd do it. I think I'd do it. It would be painful, but like this is the kind of deal that we've been talking about. The Yoan Moncada for Chris Sale thing, that was painful. That was the number, what, seven prospect in the world at the time? Yeah, sure a lot of people would have said, no, you can't trade that guy. Turned out just all right. But then there's a lot of examples of the converse happening. I think for this Red Sox team in this situation, I'd have to do it. That's that's the key right there that you just said, is this Red Sox team in this situation. Because when you say this Red Sox team, if you're talking about them trading for Jesus Lazardo, and then it's going to kind of stop there, you're wasting one of the three years you get of Luzardo. You're like my original trade was going to be for Patrick Sandoval, but it's the same thing with him. Like you'd be wasting it if you're not if you're not going to make 2024 a year where you're reasonably trying to be competitive. It's just a waste of of a guy's of a guy of one of a guy's three years left of control. But with Kyle Harrison, he in theory is right there with your timeline. As much as I hate to talk like this, like he comes up, he has a rookie season, he nail like he buffs out the kinks like has a solid season and then next year you're ready to go. Like his rookie season you would hope would be like last year's Bayo season. And then he takes a step forward. Like we all hope Bayo does this year. It's painful, but that might be the only trade, the only type of trade worth dealing. One of those big three prospects is if you're getting their equivalent in prospect form of a pitcher. I mean, imagine Bayo and Harrison atop your rotation for the next six, seven years and they're cheap mm-hmm. contracts. And then maybe you pay, maybe maybe you pay someone maybe, yeah. But we would, yeah. But those conversations would be a lot less daunting because you'd be like, ah, well, at least we got two premier young pitchers already on the team. Like it's not as as much of a need. Obviously, it's always going to be better. In starting pitching is extremely important, as we've seen as Red Sox fans. All four of those World Series teams had veteran starting pitching, but. Those are guys who are so supremely talented that you just got to hope they develop into those guys. And I mean, yeah, I, I think I would, uh, I think I'd have to. It's just like, if you get Kyle Harrison, like if you're, if this is going to be a bridge year, the, the bridge year of all bridge years would be having a rotation with, with Bayo Harrison, Whitlock and Hauk starting games. And you just beg them to hit anything close to their ceilings that would yeah. be <clears throat> the bridge year of all bridges oh you want to make me not care about having five mlb starting pitchers <laughs> get a get a prospect like that i don't give a shit though he's so good i would be like yeah that's a starter but yeah you know, there's there's wiggle room there but yeah i think i would do it that's a that's such a tough one i go back and forth but I, i'm leaning yes yeah and b- basically what we're saying is if you make some trades, this offseason gets a hell of a lot more fun. But after what they said, I mean, I think our I'm I'm just I'm surprised no one made an Edward Cabrera trade. I'm surprised I didn't make an Edward Cabrera trade. That's like he's already, he's already on the Red Sox. Yeah, he might as well be. But Bucks hired yeah. Doc Rivers. Okay. I was just gonna say, yeah, I just got the Good Bucks point. hired Doc. So that means it's what gonna a be weird... heat for Celtics. That... <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, what a weird 
That was like the weird like the Bucks have the second best record in the NBA and they just hired their coach in the offseason and he gets fired now. And it's like, oh, like just wait until the hit piece tomorrow. Yeah. I know it already came out. Really? Shams earlier. Wasn't that? What did he say? Like saying about Terry Stotts left the bench. Terry Stotts resigned before the season even started because Adrian Griffin, right? Adrian Griffin. Yep. Uh, was essentially like lecturing him about his role as an assistant coach. He thought he was doing too much. And Terry Stotts was supposed to be his um, like go-to guy, his right-hand man, his good time boy. Um, when he when he left, uh, supposedly Adrian Griffin went outside of the organization for a consultation and consulted none other than Doc Rivers. And the organization <laughs> didn't like it. They hated the way he ran the defense, and they didn't think that he was using um, Damian Lillard like he should be used. So they're being preemptive. They were foreseeing a downfall. So they got ahead of it, fired him, and then replaced him with his advisor. Well, good news. It doesn't matter because the Celtics are going to wax them in the playoffs. So go Sox. Okay. Well, on that note, this has been Bucks and Six, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. The official Milwaukee Bucks podcast of WEI, the Red Sox Radio Network. It's the official Milwaukee Bucks podcast of the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> yup. Put it on a t-shirt.